welcome everybody to another one in our series of financial well-being podcasts. My name is David Lloyd and I'm sitting here with Chris Budd and Tom Morris. Introduce yourself. Tom, oh, you can go first today. Oh, that's a nice change. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Morris, Director and Chartered Financial Planner at Ovation Finance, who put these podcasts together. I'm going to try and do this more just to uh, signpost, you may notice, shameless plug. It's not a shameless plug, it's it's the hard work that Tammy does that puts all this together. Quite right, it should be recognised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we should mention actually Tammy Devonall. She is the person, the, the person you never hear from at all. Uh, the person that Tomo takes all the credit from. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And Tammy is the one that essentially produces and edits the, the these podcasts. So actually there's a very good chance that the listeners won't hear this bit because she's very modest and will probably edit this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, who are you, Chris? Who am I? Who are you? Uh, so Chris Budd, I wrote the Financial Wellbeing book and we recently founded the Initiative for Financial Wellbeing, a new institute for the financial advice world, the objective of which is to... Um, well, several things, really. One of them is a meeting place for like-minded financial people to come and work out how we can help our clients to be happier, not just wealthier. But it's also a bigger picture, I guess, is to try and get the financial services industry to stop talking to clients about money and start talking to them about being happy. Absolutely fascinating. And that ties in a little bit, actually, with the interview that you're going to be doing a little bit later on. It's almost on. like I prepared, isn't it? It's, it's astonishing. <laughs> it, is, it is astonishing. So uh, who are you talking to today, Chris? So I had an interview with a chap called Mark Bristow. Uh, he's a financial coach and an author. His book, The Financial Healer, came out in 2016. And he's got some really interesting things to say about our relationship to money and how it can cause stress and unhappiness look forward very much to that but before we do that let's come to the first of our regular features which is comments questions from Ovation clients what have you got for us today Tomo? Well I was going to do that but then I got inundated with some tips for Titas Tomo so I thought rather than actually scratch my head and think of those common questions I'd just be rather lazy and look at what Twitter's provided me. Sit back David and okay, relax. Then. Off you go. <laughs> Put the cat on, Chris. <laughs> I'm having a kit. Wake me up when he's done. <laughs> so, um, first one was from a regular listener, um, Chris, who's at Anchors43. And he said, uh, hashtag Tomo, to anyone thinking of getting married, go for January. Not, <laughs> as you might think, that the wedding will be cheap, but all the anniversary presents will be in the January sales. The gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> oh. Tomo, if ever you were to, and it would be a catastrophe if you did, if ever you were to stand out from doing these podcasts, I think we've found your successor. <laughs> I just, I mean, that's not the only one that he's come up oh. with today. Uh, another one for him, was this one was a little bit weird, but we'll go with it, was with everyone having such big TVs, if you know someone with sports channels, hover around their front room window <laughs> and you can watch the sport you want without having to pay. Brilliant. But the risk is that you could be arrested for stalking. Yeah. So I'm not sure about that one. I say knock on their door and go and have a glass of wine and you get social well-being as well. well but there you, you used go. to get that, didn't you? You don't see it so much. Standing now. outside TV, TV shops. TV shops. Yes. You know, they'd have yes. the TV on, TV rental shops often, and they'd have the television on looking out and it was the FA Cup final or whatever it might be. You have a whole gaggle of people <laughs> outside the shop watching the football on the telly. Do you know what, David? <laughs> Let's just have a moment of, of old people memory remembering things, right? Uh, was it called Radio Rentals? Yeah. The shop? I rented my TV 
for about 10 years. Because yeah, as a, like. you know, 19, 20 year old, I couldn't afford... I must have paid about 50 times more than the cost of the TV. First TV I had, I rented. I was living in a flat in Chester and, and it was, there was a pokey little shop down the road. Tiny little shop. Bloke had all these old black and white TVs. I think we rented one from him from like a 50p a week or something like that. Yeah, know? do you know, a friend of mine, we were name-checked Graham Wilde. <laughs> he used to work in radio rentals. And one day this van pulled up um, and said that, you know, we've got a problem with some of the TVs have got been, uh, have been faulty, so they had to take them back. So uh, Graham said, well, of course, you know, so he helped them to lift all the TVs into the back of the van. The guy drove off and turned out it was robbing the shop. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually helped load the van up with the TVs that he was making. <laughs> but the TV that we had, this old black and white TV, so we rented that with everyone in the flat chipped in, you know, 20 pence or whatever it was uh, but we couldn't afford it we didn't have an aerial it wasn't an external aerial we couldn't afford a, one of those plug-in indoor aerials so we ended up with a wire coming out of the back of tv to a pair of scissors <laughs> <laughs> that was sellotaped to the wall and it worked you're watching the tv through a bit of a snowstorm but it worked and you're trying to tell that to the kids today they, they won't, won't believe you. you no i don't <laughs> i just want one more that and and then at some point i'll give you mine for, for the day, but beautifully succinct, as always, from a chap called Nick Lincoln, at Hat Tip Nick, who is also um, does his own podcast, which very is called, podcast. it is very good, so I would recommend uh, listeners to have a look at that, or have a listen to that, it's Money Hat Tip, with Nick Lincoln, um, but his was simply, don't have children. <laughs> well, to the yeah. point. You wouldn't, I mean, do you know what, there is a semi-serious point there, which is, the whole point of financial well-being is that money isn't the objective. So if you were to look at kids purely in financial terms, you certainly <laughs> wouldn't do it, would you? No. Which is a really good illustration that you shouldn't look at anything in purely financial terms. Absolutely. Chris, have you got one? I have, yes. I've got one from Neil and Sandy Bage. Neil Bage has been on our podcast before, and my wife and I went to stay with them a little while ago. Now, you know when you get a takeaway curry, right? You get the little orange sauce that comes in a little... Tango chutney, mm. uh, not not Tango mutney. Tango Tango mutney. It's the it's the orange one. You dip your you dip your poppy doms in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've never actually like know a what yo- that is. Sort it more is. like a yogurt thing? Yeah, yeah right. it's yogurt with chemicals in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sandy keeps those. Obviously, washes them out when finished. Keeps those and uses them for ice cubes. A perfect size for an ice cube. You either obviously take the ice out, or you just put the thing in so you don't dilute your drink. I just thought that was quite a nice little. Yeah, idea. They're a bit, they're a bit bigger, aren't they? It's a bit fancy for like fancy cocktails and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Shots, maybe. Yeah, yeah, shots. yeah, yeah. All sorts of uses. Yeah. yeah. What a good idea, Tomo. What's yours? Wow. Do you know what mine is rather practical and not particularly funny? I'm afraid. That's just you all over, though, isn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that has been uh, put towards me before. Um, so, a couple of so at Christmas. This is lovely. It was a we talked about spending money on others and spending time with others. And uh, my father-in-law and uh, and stepmother-in-law got us myself, Lindsay, and, and Toby, my son, membership to National Trust. Uh. And it is brilliant because you know we got it for the year. We use it lots because you know we got a young son who's like it's like having a young Labrador. You need to go <laughs> let him run around a field for a while. But you can go along. You go as many times as you want during the year. You can have free parking when you go there. And there's also discounts at certain shops. I believe it's things like Cotswold Outdoors and Go Outdoors and places like that. So, 
yeah, a really good way of spending your money and ultimately, if you use it enough, actually getting really good value for money. I think you're right. I think it's about using it enough. I used to be a member of the National Trust and I got all of those benefits from it, joined for actually very similar reasons to you with a young child. And and then during one of my uh, occasional, well, let's have a look at my expenditure, you know, what am I spending money on and realised that I, at that point wasn't going very often and so I didn't renew my membership. But, but I still do go to National Trust properties. Maybe you should look at that again. I, I've yeah. been a member since I was 21. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Looking, after, looking after our, our heritage. Good tip. Spending money with others. Getting out in the fresh air. Excellent. Right then, let's come on to the uh, main event of this podcast then. Chris, over to you. (laughs) Right, financial coaching. This is a really, really interesting area. One that started to become quite popular. Not least because you don't need to be regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority in order to be a financial coach. Hang on, that can't be right. You don't need to be regulated. No, because regulation is about the sale of a financial product. And particularly one that includes investment. A financial coach won't recommend any products. Indeed, the subject of which investments or products one should hold isn't really a subject we touch on on this podcast because it's kind of boring, really, but it's also the regulated bit. So if you stay clear of that, then you can just talk about financial well-being and your relationship to money. So I could set myself up as a financial coach. Yeah, you could. You could. Probably not a very successful one, but... (laughs) (laughs) Says my financial advisor. (laughs) So um, there is an element here, you make a valid point, that if you're going to get some money coaching, financial coaching, behavioural coaching, there's so many different terms for this, make sure the person you use is actually experienced and trained, which Mark is. Now Mark's strapline is, increase your self-worth to increase your net worth, which I think is a great line. And he's got lots of interesting things to say about how damaging our relationship to money can be and what we might do about it. So here's my chat with Mark Bristow. Good morning, Mark. Thanks ever so much for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. No problem. The team, uh, David Lloyd, Tomo and I are delighted to have you on here. Yeah, it's it's nice to hear of David Lloyd because I remember him as uh, being a big Bristol City fan. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, that is the case. (laughs) He did, it was some presentation, I think it was something for one of the players. He announced that he'd written this episode of doctors and managed to include four Bristol City players and the then chairman into the uh, the plot so that was all very interesting <laughs> I didn't know that we'll have to we'll have to ask him about that I'm not sure yeah, if, do, uh, do ask him about that I'm not sure if the BBC contract allows for such things <laughs> <laughs> so Mark look, uh, why don't you start off I mean obviously we've known each other because we trained together um, we trained together very more years long ago time than ago. we might, might want to remember. It's funny how we go completely different directions and ended up in a very similar place, isn't it? So why don't you tell us a bit about your background and how you became interested in financial coaching? Well, as you know, I, I started off in in financial services. I was Bristol born and bred and uh, Bristol was a great area at the time to, to get into financial services because a lot of the companies had moved down from London. So I joined uh, Sun Life, and ten years in, I think it was, I met you. Never the same again. Well, I, I moved on from Sun Life and worked for a couple of companies. Became an independent financial advisor, and I, I guess I was doing okay, you know, compared with a lot of people. I, I was fairly knowledgeable and, and, and got on with people, but uh, I wasn't quite reaching the top. I'd started to investigate why that was and discovered NLP, neuro linguistic programming. And during my training, I was working with another guy who happened to be in financial services. We did this little exercise. And from this exercise, I realized that I was probably in the 
the wrong job and I was judging myself on how much money I made, whereas the real me was more about achieving without the need for recognition. And obviously, money can be deemed as being some sort of recognition, you know, against my fellow advisors. So I decided to leave. It was it was a big light bulb moment. And from I, I now, find that, can I just pause that for a second? Because that's a fascinating concept: achievement without recognition. I, I can relate to that a little bit. In fact, the conversations I've been having recently with the other hat that I wear about employee ownership and advising business owners and a lot of business consultants focus, in fact, I would say the vast majority of business advice is focused upon how to get richer, how to make your business grow, how to uh, achieve higher income targets, etc. But it's not always about that, is it? No, it's, let's let's get one thing clear. This is not an an anti-money thing by any means, because money gives you plenty of opportunity to to help others. But if you're just concentrating purely on the the money and it ends there, it's, well, okay, you get all this this money, you get all all this recognition, then what? So for for me, the exercise was actually named three things you're proud of. And one of them was actually giving somebody some money and just saying, that's it, I never want to talk about it. They, they were in some dire straits at the time and I was able to help them out. But I realised that I, I didn't want thanks for it, I just, just wanted to do it. So this need for recognition well, wasn't really there when I dug it a little bit deeper. So this completely changed my outlook on, on life and I was blown away by some other concepts with NLP. So I decided to move towards that. And then I discovered something called emotional freedom technique. And, and we started to get into all these things about beliefs in, in, in relationships with, with things like money, but with work or with weight. And uh, I met a, a guy who was also from Bristol and was an accountant. And he called himself the financial healer. And I thought, what a great title. So to cut a long story short, he then retired. So um, I said, can I have your financial healer mantle, please? Because that seems to to really work. And so this is more about our relationship with money. And then we bring in things such as limiting beliefs. So you've written this book called The Financial Healer. Well, could you could you summarize it briefly for our listeners? So The Financial Healer is, is written as a novel. I love the books by Robin Sharma in particular, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, where he tries to get his sort of message across, but does it in in the form of a short novel. So I use that template. So it tells this fictional guy who's sort of drifting through life and not quite where he wants to be and not knowing why. And he's told to meet this guru and go on this course. And this guy is the financial healer who is based upon three people that had a huge influence in the last 10 years of my life and the financial healer then tells you really it's more about self-worth than the net worth and therefore improve your your self-worth to to improve your your net worth so you have a better relationship with money and then it's peeling back the layers of the onion if you like to get to the core self-limiting beliefs that make us act in the way that we are 
And you've mentioned a couple of times this uh, phrase, which our listeners may be familiar with, which is self-limiting beliefs. So talk to us more a bit about them. And particularly, how can we uncover our own self-limiting beliefs? Because I guess by definition, we don't know they're there. That's why they're self-limiting. That's right. And, and, and I hope that your listeners do know that because you've written quite a few times on the subject, you described self-limiting beliefs as they are not truths just because we believe them to be the truth. And that's really it. And I, and I think that what is fast, fascinating is, and if you just said, but we don't know they're there. And that's because they're often buried, or actually nearly always buried in our subconscious. So our subconscious is accountable for about 95% of what we do. So if we've got these limiting beliefs running as programs in our, in our subconscious, it's a bit like having a virus on your computer and not really knowing it's there and you're loading all these new programs on it are fancy and better supposedly but as long as that virus is there nothing's going to go into change so identifying the self-limiting beliefs is going right back to early childhood and at this point it's important I think to bring in the work of a guy called Bruce Lipton who works in new science it's called epigenetics how do you spell that epi e-i-g-e-n genetics yeah yeah cool thank you and his book the biology of belief now i would really recommend if if, if you're interested in this at all to look at some videos of bruce lipton he's about 70 years old now in fact he's probably older than that but his energy is just absolutely fantastic his very basic concept is that until the age of about six, we don't have a conscious mind. So we don't process things logically. And what happens is that certain things happened and we're affected by our environment and what's around us. So it's the belief of our, our parents, maybe siblings, maybe extended members of families, and, and even to some extent teachers that create these beliefs about ourselves. They can be positive, but often they can be negative beliefs. So the ones about money, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Money is the root of all evil. Money is not for the like of us, etc. Seeps into our subconscious and we then look for evidence to support that. So suddenly we've got this belief running about money and that tends to be more of a sort of symptom in the cause there's a bigger belief going on and I think one of the ones that you've mentioned in your written work is I don't deserve this that continues to work and we provide more and more evidence to support that belief till it's running throughout our lives and affecting everything that we do yeah so how can we find out what self-limiting beliefs we are operating under right well we use something called matrix re-imprinting where we go. Oh, I love that film. <laughs> so, so it's, it's in, a, in a way that, you know, there, there, there are associations with it. So, so what actually is causing our beliefs and it's, it's a memory from which we attach a belief. So if we can get back to six years and before to get that first one, and there will be other incidents along the way where we walked away with this belief that 
I don't deserve this or I'm not loved enough or the world is a dangerous place. Some real core limiting belief. Emotional freedom technique involves tapping on various points of your body and it's it's best described as as acupuncture without the need for needles. Well, I like the sound of that. (laughs) And it it is a gateway to your subconscious. So what happens is we get these memories out and this all sounds a little bit woo-woo, but believe me, it works. And we then look and rework the memory so that we come away with a different belief. We can find three big examples of where this self-limiting belief comes from we can then start to change it so it's then removing the virus from our neck top computer and replacing it with with new programs and new and new beliefs wow and I, i i assume by the sounds of it that's not something we could do ourselves you need help with this i would imagine do you Ideally for the big stuff. But the beauty of emotional freedom technique is that it can be learned in 10 minutes. And a lot of the background work can be done ourselves to, because these memories just pop out of nowhere. So it's a bit like sort of, you might be asleep, it might be three o'clock in the morning, and then a memory comes along of something that seems totally insignificant. So for example, when I was four years old, I got lost in a department store in Bristol. The whole incident probably lasted a minute or so. There was an announcement on the uh, tannoy. If anybody sees this little boy, can you bring him to wherever? So I got reunited with mum and dad, and and that seemed fine. Now, that memory, looking back at it, was, okay. so I got lost for for a minute. But at that point, I realised that I'd, I'd made, I'd created this belief that my parents didn't love me, which was so far from the truth it was unbelievable and that's the beauty of the work that I now do is that that we we end up being in places that that nobody would ever think of on a conscious level so my belief that I was not loved and didn't deserve things meant that I actually went through my life well wrecking a lot of relationships amongst other things and not being good with money myself which is an awful thing for a financial advisor <laughs> to to admit but as soon as I got money it, it, it was gone because I was running this program I didn't even realize I was running that I didn't deserve it and of course the although that might sound a stretch that that incident to that belief we go around this cycle, don't we, of learning. We talk about Kolb's cycle of learning, where we have experiences which lead to actions, which create new experiences, we create value, new experiences, actions, values, and this goes round and round and round. So actually, you spin that round a thousand times, following on from getting lost in the department store, ending up with believing my parents don't don't love me. That's how it works through with a whole lot of spins of the cycle of, of Kolb's cycle of learning. Absolutely. And, and a, lot, a lot of my clients tend to be sort of middle age because it, it, it gets to a point where it, it's almost sort of too much and then it gets to the point where I've got I've, I've got to do something about it and the ideal scenario would be to to catch this virus as early as possible before there's that much evidence to to really cement it because it, it almost gets to a stage where it's so much in your subconscious it, it's like trying to to unteach yourself to walk because it's something that you just naturally do. So, so yes, you're absolutely, absolutely right. That, you know, that we still have this cycle and, and, and the longer it goes on, the more evidence that is there. 
One of the things that I've read of yours, which is interesting, is the there's something missing conundrum. Tell me about that. Well, for a lot of people, it's that their life isn't so bad. You know, a lot of the the self-help, if you like, gurus have been at rock bottom. And at that point, they make the decision that, right, they have to do something about it. Uh, And, you know, they're, they're living in a car or living in a flat. They've got no money. They've got nothing, nothing to to eat there's no furniture and at that that point they make that decision but for a lot of us things aren't that bad you know for me personally I had a lot of friends had a great social life I enjoyed sport I enjoyed music but something didn't feel quite right and you know we, we we all know people that seem to have everything going for them but they don't quite achieve what we believe they they should achieve and a lot of it is as a result of these beliefs that we don't know is going on and a lot of negative self-talk. We're, we're actually not believing what our friends say about us. You know, we're, we're sort of saying, oh, this is good. And then you're saying, well, no, I'm not really. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that good or I'm not. That. And, and it stops us getting from where we are to where we should be. And it's it's identifying what that little thing is that's actually stopping us from getting to, to the life we really deserve. And how do we find that out? By going back and finding out what our negative self-talk is and what our beliefs about ourselves, the limiting beliefs right. are. So we, removing the blocks, removing the blockages will then reveal what the something missing is. Yes. Right. So, you know, a lot of it is believing in ourselves. You know, it's, it's having that self-worth that, I believe that that I deserve to have a talent for doing whatever, or I believe that I do deserve this money because I can do something with it. You know, a lot of people think that they don't deserve money. I had, I had a, a a client who used to collect pennies when she was a, a child, and her mother used to come along and take them to pay the milkman, as you did in those days, or, you know, pay anybody that knocked on the door for, for anything that she owed. So she she had this belief that she didn't deserve to have money. And then any, every time she had money, it would be taken away. When she looked back on her life, she's now in her 60s, she realised that any time she had money, something would happen and she'd end up giving it away in, in some way, shape or form. When she realised that she deserved money, then things started to work in her favour. She was able to keep hold of money, save, etc. But until that point, and she realised that was the, the, the thing that was, was missing because of her beliefs, it wasn't ever happening. Wow. That's a, that's a brilliant illustration. Um, that Mark, if, if the, our listeners were to do one thing differently as a result of listening to this chat... What would you like it to be and what effect would they see? Well, I've talked about things at a a, a subconscious level, but there are things you can do as the conscious level. And one of these things is is when you're catching yourself with negative thoughts, uh, you know, I don't deserve things or I don't, you know, I I don't deserve love. I'm, I'm, I'm not loved enough. Actually ask yourself whether that's true. No, it's just true. What evidence have I got? to support the alternative view and also what would be better than thinking this you know that I don't deserve 
money. An alternative would be, well, if I had the money, I'd be able to help such and such and such and such and do this and do that that would better their lives or, you know, support charities, whatever it is. It's, it's actually questioning your, your, your self-talk and asking yourself, well, is this what I'm thinking is really true? I, I, I say this to my clients. If we talk to our friends the way we talk to ourselves, then we wouldn't have too many friends. You know, we, we beat ourselves up all the time. And it's time to, to stop doing that, accepting ourselves for who we are and look at the alternatives. That's a fantastic line to end on, Mark. I love it. Thank you very much. We're going to really appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Well, thanks, thanks again for asking me. It's lovely to catch up with you and, and well done on all the work you're doing and well done on the fantastic book, The Financial Wellbeing Book. I've got it in front of me here. It, it, it really is great and I would encourage everybody to go out and buy it. Bless your heart. What a wonderful interviewee you are. <laughs> <laughs> Speak to you soon, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Right, so the first thing we need to do is clear up something that Mark raised at the beginning of his interview. Now, I have to I really enjoyed the interview because he's a Bristol City fan. So, <laughs> yeah, how was... did you manage that? Did you do that through gritted teeth? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he mentioned the, uh, whatever the thing was that he was attending some shirt signing when I talked about getting uh, Bristol City players into my script. I do it all the time. <laughs> I do it all the time. And I, have, I don't do it so much now, but I, whenever I had an incidental character... Uh, perhaps somebody who is being referred to, uh, I would always use the name of a Bristol City player. But my crowning glory, which is the one I think he's talking about, is I had a f- many, many years ago now, Bristol City's back three, they played a 3-5-2 formation, was uh, Danny Coles, Lewis Carey and Matt Hill. I needed a firm of solicitors, so I called <laughs> them Coles, Carey and Hill. Brilliant. And they featured in several episodes of Doctors because it was a, a, a running story, even to the extent that somebody had mocked up a brass plate that would sit on the outside of the offices, Coles, Carey and Hill. And I tried to get hold of that. I wanted to have it at home stuck on my study wall, but they wouldn't let me have it. <laughs> well, those, uh, I hope most of our listeners have read the Financial Wellbeing book. Uh, if you haven't, why not? You should be. Proceeds go to Penny Braun yeah. Cash Charity. All of the uh, stories, of, there's lots of anecdotes in there, and obviously I couldn't use the names of the actual Ovation clients if the anecdotes were about. So I changed all their names to Gloucestershire Cricket Club players. Fantastic. <laughs> Including at one point my own daughter, who was at that yeah. time playing for Gloucestershire under uh, 15s. So <laughs> The little games we writers play. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Clearing that one up, back to the interview. Fascinating stuff. It had a, it had a lot of good stuff to say there, I thought. Mm. I think I love the, the bit he said at the very, very end, which just absolutely resonated with me. Um, if we talk to our friends like we talk to ourselves, we wouldn't have friends. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. What a great line. Mm. Um, and I really like the, his, if I thought differently, what could happen? Mm. These simple things to say, not so easy to do, are they? Those self-limiting beliefs, and I know we've talked about those in other podcasts, but I thought he summed that up very well. You know, the story he told about being lost in a department store as a child. And then out of that one incident, he then had this belief that his parents didn't didn't love him. Uh, and, and, and it's very easy for us to be told those things or experience those things as children and... 
and they can stick with us. So I think the, the thing we learn from that is we always have to be asking ourselves questions about what we're doing, what we think, what we believe, and just checking in to make sure that they actually still have validity. And that, that story is a perfect example of his line about self-worth and net worth, because that lack of self-worth that came from the belief his parents didn't love him led to him being very bad with money because mm. he didn't think he deserved to spend it well or on himself. Unraveling all of that mm. is not a simple thing and uh, I think you need help from experts to do that kind of work. Absolutely. And it also makes us realise that a lot of those fundamental self-limiting beliefs can impact on the way in which we approach money, which is, of course... The key message of all of these podcasts, what can we do to increase our financial well-being? So read that book for a yeah, start. Yeah. And remember, the, un- the underlying theory, principle of all that we talk about, know thyself. And actually, know thyself is not an easy thing to do. No. <laughs> Indeed. Well, on that interesting conversation about a very interesting interview about a book that I shall certainly go and buy, that's enough for us today, I think. And we'll be back with you again very soon for another one in our series of Financial Wellbeing Podcasts. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris, and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. <laughs>